From June 13th to June 15th, 2023, the Human Rights Foundation's community came together to celebrate the 15th edition of the Oslo Freedom Forum at the Oslo Concertus in Norway. Guests from all corners of the globe joined together for a masterclass on the year's most pressing human rights issues and to brainstorm new ways to expand freedom worldwide. Our theme, Celebrating Solidarity, honored the spirit of unity, mentorship, and connection that the Oslo Freedom Forum has fostered over the last decade and a half. The 2023 program featured inspiring talks by global activists, scholars, and journalists, including from Bolivia to Swaziland to Egypt, Ukraine, Palestine, and the Uyghur region. These are their stories, united around the common recognition that when we stand in solidarity with the brave dissidents and human rights defenders who are challenging authoritarianism around the world, we can unravel tyranny together. Welcome to Dissidents and Dictators, a series of conversations by the Human Rights Foundation dedicated to exposing and challenging authoritarianism around the world. The last time I had the opportunity to address the Oslo Freedom Forum community, I told the story of my family, my, my, my previous imprisonment, my brother Ale's current imprisonment. And through the lens of my family, I tried to tell the wider story of this, the human rights situation in Egypt. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Egypt or simply know it for its pyramids and uh, its rich, rich history, the Egyptian people have been living under a, an especially brutal military dictatorship for the past 10 years. In 2011, we had a revolution, the Arab Spring, that toppled the previous dictator who ruled for 30 years. Then in 2013, things backfired. It got worse. Uh, President Sisi uh, started ruling the country after a bloody military coup. <clears throat> it is estimated that there are around 60,000 political prisoners in Egypt, just like my brother, all trapped behind bars, watching their lives slip away. Today, I want to use this opportunity to highlight another story, that of a dear friend, visual artist Shadi Habash and poet Galal al-Bahiri, also political prisoners. This story is about how a song can kill you. I bumped into Shadi a lot at work, in film shoots and uh, in parties, mostly raves and some rock concerts. His face seemed familiar. I figured I probably knew him from back in the day. Back in the day. We try not to mention those days anymore. The memories are painful and dangerous. When we spoke, Shadi confirmed that we'd met in Tahrir Square during the revolution. That moment of possibility 12 years ago when there was possibility, potential for change, for rule of law, and for democracy. <clears throat> I got a text message one night in 2020 from a strange number saying, Shady Habash died, please inform his family. 
the body will be at Zen homework in the morning. I called a few friends. Several of us heard the same news. I tried calling the number back. It didn't respond at first, then it went out of service. None of us had the guts to call his mom or his sister, so we decided to wait till the morning. Maybe it was a prank or something. A common friend came over to my place. She couldn't just sit there and wait. And I remember we both sat in my living room, not saying anything, just staring at the balcony, waiting for sunlight. First, they claimed he committed suicide. Then later, in the Attorney General's report, they said he suffered from alcohol poisoning. According to the report, the prison doctor had seen him at dawn and given him nausea tablets. But cellmates kept calling for help, so at 10 a.m., he was taken again to the clinic, where he waited for two hours, but the doctor never came so he was brought back to his cell. At 6 p.m., the doctor... Sorry, 2 p.m., the doctor appeared and gave him more tablets to prevent vomiting. At 6 p.m., the doctor finally realized this was serious, and so he called for an ambulance to transfer him to a hospital. But Shady never made it to that ambulance. I met one of his cellmates later. He told me that it was a very slow death. Some of us, he said, had to take shifts from the screaming and calling for help while Shady was shaking in pain. For 24 hours, his cellmates kept calling for help. All they got were tablets for stomach pain. 24 hours, and the guards failed to transfer him to the nearby hospital that was one block away from his ward. A couple of weeks earlier, he had called me. There was a phone smuggled into his cell. I missed the call. But others talked to him, and they said he was uh, hopeful. He had a theory that since he'd crossed the two-year mark, his pretrial detention has now become completely illegal, and so he was hoping that the next time he would be brought before a judge, he would be released. He still had hope for rule of law. He still had hope for change. Change. I remember during my detention, my own interrogator asked me about change. The interrogation was supposed to be about my charges, uh, spreading fake news, misuse of social media, and uh, insulting government officials. <clears throat> Somehow, the conversation ended up being about my past, my relationship with my family, and about the possibility of change. This was at State Security Prosecution Headquarters, a court that exists supposedly to investigate terrorism cases. Me, my brother, Shady, and Galel the poet, we all stood before this same court. I never told you Shady's crime. This is Shady's crime.
directed a music video for a satirical song that criticized the government and made fun of the president. A 24-year-old died because of a song. Galel wrote the lyrics of this song. Galel has been in prison for over five years for this same song. Three weeks ago, Galel tried to commit suicide. He was saved, thankfully, at least for now. But how many lives need to be sacrificed for one freaking song? Ale, my brother, my older brother, who's also in prison for his writings, went through a similar dark phase. He didn't actually try to hurt himself, but he spoke about self-harm. That was a couple of years ago. And at the time, my brother was held in a maximum security facility where he was treated like an animal. That's how he put it. Although my brother remains in prison, he is no longer in that mental place now. And that's thanks to the support of many people in Egypt and around the world. As my brother's case got more attention, his prison condition drastically improved. And the possibility of his release became present again. Today, my brother can see sunlight. He can read books, listen to music, write letters, and see his family. Nobody's torturing him. Ale is no longer living like an animal. He has gained back his humanity. Ale feels more connected to the outside world, and that connection was made possible thanks to solidarity. Galen needs to feel that same connection. A prisoner's worst nightmare is to be forgotten. Please remember that pressure works. I wouldn't be here talking to you if it wasn't for the power of solidarity. I'm free because of people just like you caring. So how can you help? Stay aware, follow us on social media, write about those political prisoners, read my brother's book. The more you care, the freer they will become. But if you really want to help, then use your democratic rights to challenge the kind of relationships that exist between your government and ours because currently those relationships are enforcing our oppressor. Read the recent news about New Jersey's Senator Bob Menendez if you need proof. If you're living in a democracy, then you have agency, you have freedom of speech, there's a lot you can do. As my brother Alet once said, <clears throat> unlike me, you have not yet been defeated. Fix your own democracy. This has always been my answer to the question, how can we help? I still believe it's the only possible answer. Not only is where you vote the place where you have more influence, but a setback for human rights in a place where democracy has deep roots is certain to be used as an excuse for even worse violations in societies where rights are more fragile. Don't play the game of nation. We risk much when human rights advocacy becomes a weapon in a cold war. We reach out to you, not in search of powerful allies, but because we confront the same global problems and share universal values and with a firm belief in the power of solidarity. Thank you.